Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finnern, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. This next hour, we study the gift of the inspired and true Word of God and the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light, not only for the world today, but promises that at the final resurrection, we will need no lamp or sun because He will be our light, reigning forever and ever. That is the joy that we hold today as we dig into the Scriptures, and that light shines on us today from Ephesians chapter 5. Paul proclaims that it is with Christ's love that he gave himself up as a fragrant offering. So walk in that love. That's the theme of chapter 5. And today it shows that that love is manifested in the sacred unity of husband and wife. What does this look like? This isn't necessarily a 10-step program to a better marriage, but it points us to what keeps us together, what is our foundation, which is Christ's love on the cross. Stay tuned as we go dig into the living and active word, and it works on us. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we have with us Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Pastor Dieterding, welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Yeah, it's good to be back, and uh, thank you for that introduction there. Appreciate it. Um, so we're getting ready to uh, getting to some passages here that are passages that are used at weddings at times. So. Uh, it's got a lot, lot of substance here, that's for sure. I've used, this, I've used these passages quite a number of times. So, Absolutely. Um, yeah. it's so, and it is, it is a lot of fun because um, I think 90% of the time I present to couples the passages of which we commonly use. And this passage, although rich, is something I don't think once that a couple has said right away, I want that for my wedding. But after we've gone through it, they have wanted it in their wedding. So it's something that kind of, it's a little bit of a rough terrain, but we'll get through it for sure. So tell, let's, let's take a step back. Pastor Dieterding, what's going on in Zion um, in Fort Myers? Uh, well, we're in the uh, midst of uh, the winter season. So that means that we have quite a number of folks that come down from the north. Uh, we don't have as many that are daring enough to come indoors yet. Um, so our, our numbers inside in person are down. But uh, as far as our uh, virtual numbers and the people that are out there, that when they do come down, um, we've still got quite a few people that are connecting with Zion and their ministry. Our ministry continues down here with uh, Bible studies, and we do our Bible studies uh, in person and online all at the same time. Uh, the virtual folks... Uh, Join us uh, in person uh, with the, or, I'm sorry, with the in-person folks, you know, inside the building. So, um, but we've had, uh, we've had uh, worship inside now since uh, back in October. It's worked out very well, done a lot of tra tracing every time that people come. Um, fortunately, we've been very blessed, uh, and we just uh, thank God for uh, the opportunity to be able to worship Him, for, you know, for people who feel that they, uh, they feel safe. Um, the way we have the protocols set up for our in-person worship, and then also those people that get to uh, continue to watch it at home as well. And that's one of the joys, I think, now we literally are about a year into this. Um, I remember March 1st was really the last Sunday I remember feeling somewhat normal in church, and then just everything 
changed within two weeks. And so we really are at a year. And I think of words like um, in Romans 14, where it talks about not causing a stumbling block for others uh, to be the body of Christ. I think we can look back and give thanks to God for the ways uh, our churches and especially our people and our congregations who have been very respectful, wearing masks when they've been asked and to keep their distance and to respect people if they're not comfortable and find ways to still serve them with the gospel of Christ. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, you know, that's the thing. You know, we don't all agree with a lot of what's being said out there, you know, concerning all these protocols. But the bottom line is is that if you if you want you know, more of your brothers and sisters to be able to feel comfortable to gather with you at this point in, in juncture in this whole in this whole COVID thing, we can't. There's not any better way to show our love to one another than to to put on a mask and and distance ourselves and and show that we care about those who who care deeply about. Um, others doing the same so that we can worship together and sing together and give praise to God together and all of those things. So, yeah, it's it's been quite a journey, and it's been quite an, a learning experience about oh, what yeah. it means to love our neighbor, you know? so. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and in other news, uh, you know, spring training has started in Fort Myers, so the Twins are playing. They're playing games. There's even fans in the stands. Have you been to a game yet, Pastor Dieterding? I have I have not. I, I wanted to kind of watch and see first how they're doing it because uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm one of these who's not crazy to get inside of a lot of groups, but outdoors seems to be a little more a little less uh, intimidating, but uh, yeah, I just kind of want to. I'm sitting back, see if uh, see what's going to happen here at this point with uh, with the fans and so forth. <laughs> see if they have any super spreaders or anything like that. So, but Absolutely. no, it, yeah, it's open, and uh, they're at, at, at both of the ballparks. The Red Sox uh, play down here in Fort Myers as well, and of course, all the other surrounding uh, towns too with their ball clubs. They're all opening up, and that they're, you know, very few people. You know, I'd say probably a quarter. To maybe up to, I don't think they're even close to a half. I think it's a quarter, like thirty percent, that they're allowing in right now. So, right, right. Well, that's good. Next year, maybe next year, I'll ask you to get some autographs for my son or some other people, <laughs> but not this year. They're not even doing autographs. So, anyways, what's hey, as my I'd dad would say, what's... Happy, I'd be more than happy to do that for you. Just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. Anyways, as my dad would say, let's get back on the farm this morning as we look back to God's <laughs> Word. And so let's do this. Uh, can you begin our time and ask for the Lord's blessing and prayer, please? Are you talking about getting back on the farm rather than being out in the Bahamas? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's Is a tough life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's okay, pray here. So, Come on. <laughs> so we begin. So we begin. Gracious God. And we call you gracious because it is your grace that continues to be showered upon us through word and through sacrament. We pray that this day that you would bless us again by the power of your spirit as we approach your word and learn something of our relationship as a corporate body of believers in relationship to our Lord Jesus and what that means and, and how intimate that relationship truly is. And may we continue to grow in that relationship as we are guided uh, by his words and and that word that continues to help us to grow ever stronger in a faith that clings to all the promises that we have in our dear Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Reminder to everyone that if you have any questions concerning our text today, drop us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, kfuo at kfuo.org. Now, I wanted to... Uh, Start start with this, and I think this is a, a good place for us to start, that 
KFUO is the radio mission of the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod. In the LCMS, we clearly um, cling to the word of God that we believe to be true, inerrant, and inspired by God. What this says is that we, in humility, repentance, and faith, struggle to understand all of its truth. And there's sometimes that it says something that we don't fully understand. But Pastor Dieter and I follow that understanding that today, as we look at these verses, that these words are true. Now, how does it apply? How does it point us to Christ? And how does it work for us as his dear children? And that's just a good reminder for us because we can read this and go, ah, nah, I don't like it. Let's get rid of it. And I think this is important for us, first of all, to see Jesus in these words. And secondly, to understand where we are coming from as ones who are, I would say, conservative believers in the word of God, but also cling dearly to what our Lord promises in these words. So I wanted to start there, Pastor Dieterding, just to make sure we're all on the same page and people understand. But as we look at these verses, it can be kind of, um, I guess to say, rough terrain, uh, especially at first. But there's a lot of importance here, especially pointing us to our Lord Jesus. And any background or thoughts you have as we looked at these verses in verses 22 through 33? Absolutely. I, I mean, you, meant, you mentioned it at the top of the show whenever I made the comment that I have used this actual text for weddings. And uh, you made the comment that, yeah, there's some, there's some rough terrain, as you just did again now. Um, but it's, it's only rough because um, I think, just like you had mentioned also, people do not uh, fully appreciate and understand what's actually being sent here. They're reading words that sound uh, offensive. And so they figure, well, you know, I don't want that at my wedding. <laughs> it's, like, well, it's God's <laughs> word for crying out loud. <laughs> what, what's offensive? And maybe there's a reason it's offensive. I don't know. But we, we, we walk through it. And just like you said, because um, really because of the, the way in which uh, we see the relationships of men and women in our world today and how, how we understand them. Um, some of this language here that's used uh, can be uh, very abrasive in, in, in the way we understand it culturally today. And so it's changed, you know, over the last, especially the last several decades. Uh, and because of the, some of the changes that have happened and some of the th- things that needed to change as well, by the way, um, mm-hmm. are connected with this word submit. And so we're going to talk more about that. And what, is it, what does it mean within the context of what we're reading here? I mean, we are reading it within the context of our relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, if anything, I would think that this would be something that we would want to uh, understand even deeper as to what this relationship is all about. Very good. So let's dig in, open up your Bibles, and the gifts are ready for you. Reminder to our listeners that we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scriptures. We'll be reading the first three verses. And a reminder, this separates into wives and husbands, but all obviously it applies to all, not only for those who are married, but also those who support those who are married, uh, widows, widowers, and everybody. And obviously, it points us back to Christ. Verses 22 through 24, Paul, Paul writes, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything, to their husbands. So, Pastor, uh, well, let me ask this first, and we'll go from here. Is it talks about submit words that we hear in verse twenty-one as well, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. How would you, so? You're sitting with a couple that wants to get married, 
and this word submit comes up and someone says, um, yeah, I don't know about this. How would you describe to them about submission and what this means? Yeah, so, so you have to look at how do we understand that in our world today, because that's where they're coming from. And so, you know, what does it mean to be submissive to somebody? Does it mean to be vulnerable to them? Does it mean to be abusive to them? Does it mean to be, you know, is that what's being said here? And if, if, if it is, then is our relationship with, in Christ an abusive and, uh, and, a, and, a, and a relationship mm. that we shouldn't be longing for? Is that what we're saying? I don't think anybody that believes in Christ as their Lord and Savior would say that. Do we feel we're greater than Christ? Do we feel that we can be the head of him? You know, I mean, we need to kind of look at this and see what is being said here, because uh, in relationship to Christ, I want to submit myself completely and fully to him. If I look at my relationship with Christ and, and then move over to my relationship with the one that I dearly love here, in this world that that's extremely close to me the closest person ever is my, is going to be my spouse um you know how does that translate how does that translate what is what's the kind of submission that we have in our relationship with christ so that's where i begin usually is where where are we in that that submissive relationship with jesus or are we you know a lot of a lot of couples too i'm not sure where they are even in their relationship with christ if they even understand that fully of what it means to be uh submissive or have a submissive type relationship with him and what that means. And that, of, course, of course, you and I know that that's all tied into um, uh, the love that we have for each other too. This is, this is a submission of love, not a submission of abuse. Right. And that, that is really helpful is to ask the question. I remember at seminary, Dr. Kolb would always emphasize to mm-hmm. us, and if someone asks you a question, you ask, you ask them, you know, why do you want to know? You know, so I, well, I don't like that. Why would you use that? Well, okay, tell me about submit. What do you think of when you think of the word submit? Um, and I, I, there's two things that were very helpful to me when I went through this before we got married is because I kind of had the same thing. I, you know, I went to a liberal college and kind of was like, oh, I'm not like that at all. I don't believe, I, that, not that I didn't believe it, but you just, you thought, oh, what am I going to do with these words? And one of them was, we're submitting all the time. You're driving. You're driving down the road. You see a cop. You submit. Go 29 instead of 30. Um, you submit to your teachers. Um, you you a lot. You know we submit to our parents. We submit to a whole bunch of authorities that we just have to submit to. So submission is not something that we don't do every single day. And secondly, as you said so well about our relationship with Jesus, is the reality that Jesus never asked us to do something that He wouldn't do Himself. Right. Uh, you know, right. here it, it, it speaks about submission. Well, my goodness, think about Jesus and and his submission on the cross for you and I. I mean, this is this is powerful stuff for us to remember is that Jesus uh, uh, made himself nothing to become obedient, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus is he's like, OK, submit. You're like, well, how dare you ask me to do that? Well, he doesn't say it, but look at the cross. And there's the greatest submission that we can even think of. Other thoughts on submission and how we look at it? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's interesting that you bring up Professor Kolb in that question. You know, why do you want to know? I I, I do recall that actually from my own classes with him. But um, <laughs> another 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 professor I really uh, appreciated was Pro- uh, Professor Brighton. Uh, mm. My wife and I, you know, on occasion, you know, if we were coming across campus together or whatever, and we ran into him. Um, he just had a way of talking about our relationship to one another as, you know, you know, he said, Oh, you know, like he would stop and he said, Oh, you know, Curtis, 
do you realize how much of a jewel you have in Joanne? You know, I'm like, wow. and, he, and he goes into his spiel and he just, he makes me fall, want to fall in love with her even more. You know, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to submit my entire life to this woman and, and love her and embrace all that she is in Christ Jesus. You know, so it's like, and I, I would never walk away from a conversation with him if he was talking about me and my wife that I just didn't feel very uplifted and uh, really started to understand what it means to really be there for the other person. And that's a lot of what submission is, and you're naming it. Um, everything mm-hmm. that we do, I don't care if it's with our spouse, with our neighbor, with our government in, in, in authority, when we are, are doing what we're asked to be doing, we're showing love toward neighbor, love toward uh, what right. God has given us as authority. And that is where it comes back to, is this is submission in love, not submission in, in abuse and taking over internal kinds of um, situations. That's, and that's what, we, that's what we usually connect with that word in our society nowadays. And that, that that is incredibly helpful. Yes, Dr. Brighton would uh, definitely do that. He used to teach this revelation class for the past the uh, seminarian wives or the women of the seminary. And one, I remember one buddy, a couple of guys would say, you know, uh, they'd get down with the class, and and he would speak so lovingly and wonderful about about his wife that the wives would come back and say, "How come you don't talk about me that way?" <laughs> and so yeah, thanks a lot, was a... Professor Brighton. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, because when you look at these scripture verses in the context of what is really happening, that our wives are a jewel to us and all that they do for us, um, for, for wives that you pray that you think the same of your husbands, all the things that they want to do. We can always look at somebody else's marriage and say, boy, you know, they have this or have that. But to understand the gift that you have to begin, which obviously points us to Christ that says, this is the gift that I give to you in salvation, forgiveness, and grace. And from that, love flows into our everyday relationship, especially those closest to us, which would obviously be our spouse. Now, here it says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So I know you've said this in the past, uh, Pastor Dieter Ding, is the understanding that Paul never lets us get away with looking at his instructions and his exhortations without pointing us back to Christ. So, you know, mm-hmm. submit to your husband. He's going to do it just because. No, as to the Lord, we submit to the Lord for all that he's done for us. Um, and therefore, we submit. And it says here in verse 24, now as this church submits to Christ. So, reminder, he never does this as a, uh, a separate reality than um, to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, he speaks that way, always pointing us back to Christ. Any other thoughts on that? So, you know, it's at this time in the conversation where uh, the woman will say, well, he doesn't always act like Christ. (laughs) Okay, well, that's a good point, because if he's not acting like Christ, then it's hard to submit to him in that fashion, because, uh, you know, because... You know, we do want to have that relationship of love, and and when that doesn't happen, it's broken. Then it is broken at that mm-hmm. point, um, and and it's no longer the kind of pure um, submission to one another out of love that Christ is wanting us to have, as as we have in our relationship with Him. And so, uh, whenever they make comments like that, that well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do everything that my husband tells me to do just because he wants me to do it, right? And I, you know, I, I would say, well, wait a minute, you know. Um, is what he's asking, uh, is that something that you can surely show 
your reverence and your love to him for as far as what, what he's done, done for you and, and how he treats you. And I said, if not, then, then yeah, then there's brokenness. And then you do need to, mm-hmm. to talk through this relationship. And, and is this pleasing to Christ? And I said, see, because it always comes back, just like you just said a minute ago, it always comes back to Christ in our relationship with him. It works the same. And that's the kind of submission that is being talked about here. As you would submit to Christ in all things, that, and we're talking about a perfect relationship there that we're dealing mm. with. You know, Christ is perfect in every way where ours is not perfect. And so there is sometimes uh, an abuse of this or uh, taking advantage of a situation. And, um, wow, if we even have to think like that, then we're already in need of repair and forgiveness, you know, of, of restoration through repentance. So, so I said, yeah, those things are going to happen regardless. But we need to understand that in a pure relationship where where things are are um, actually going well and love is being shown and there's true care and devotion from the heart and and, in that loving relationship. I said, that's the purest relationship you can have is one like the one you have with Christ. Why not have that with each other? Right. Right. Pastor uh, Kevin Parvise was our guest uh, on Tuesday, and I asked him, we just barely got to uh, the verses right before this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And he said it was very simple, very profound, as he always is. Uh, and he said that submission requires an absolute trust of those who are being asked to submit. And Absolutely. I thought that was that was a really profound statement to to realize because God is not asking us to do something where you're in an abusive situation. He's not asking you um, to submit to evil things or to immoral things, but he is speaking about, it goes both ways, for the husband to realize where we need to br- mend broken relationships, for a wife to understand of her role and her exhortation maybe to her husband at times, but also, if the issue is, well, I'm not going to submit, then there's a trust issue, and we need to work on that trust, first of all, with Christ, but then second of all, with one another. So it really is a, um, there's a lot to this, and it's just too easy to say, well, you're telling me submit, I don't like to submit, amen, move on, we're done with God's word. You know, it's so easy to do that. But there has to be a trust, an absolute faith for those who are being asked to do such a thing. Thoughts on that? Yeah, so... Yeah, so- so a, a way in which to to kind of check yourself is to, you know, really ask yourself, am I a leader as Christ would be a leader? Mm-hmm. Am, am I a leader to my wife? Am I treating my wife as Christ would treat her, as Christ would lead her, as Christ would show his love to her? And and, and vice versa, you know, for the, for the wife, you know, am I am I surely showing uh, the kind of love to my husband that 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 I would show to Christ or that I that, that I would desire to show to Christ. I, we all know we're not perfect, and that we break that relationship with Him through our sin. You know, so we if we're constantly marking each other that way, and we both see each other in the light of are we being uh, as Christ would want us to be to the spouse? That's really what this all boils down to again, and that is a trust issue. Because the trust gets broken down when that when that when when any kind of abuse or, or sin or or, or or just anger and, and just hate comes into play, um, these are all things that uh, are not Christ-like and have broken this kind of relationship that Paul is writing about here. Now, another word that comes up here that that can be very um, disturbing for people is it says, "For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior." 
when it says that he's the head of the wife, this is, I mean, this, the submission part, you can kind of get through that pretty quickly, but then all of a sudden he's ahead of the wife. Oh, what's going on here? How would you address that? Oh, we have about two minutes here, Pastor. How would you address them? We can talk more beyond the break. Well, how many, how many heads are there in a corporation? You know, there's usually a <laughs> CEO, right? There's one. Right. He has a role in that company and, and everybody knows what that role is and everybody respects that role. And there's other roles in that company, too. And so we're all given a role, even within the family unit. Um, you know, we all have our role as uh, sons, daughter, wife, and husband. And those roles are laid out for us in Scripture as well. And it's just how much are you willing to to, uh, to cling to the truth that God is sharing to us about his desire for the family and the family unit and what, what that looks like. And, you know, it can be looked at in a number of different ways. Obviously, Christ is the head of the church, and we don't want to make a one-to-one, okay, your husband's Jesus, and therefore, da-da-da-da. I mean, that's a little, <laughs> bit of a high calling. But there's a, a headship understanding of, you know, Adam and Eve. She came as a helpmate, not as a, uh, you know, you're lower than, but as an uplifting of Adam and so forth. And it speaks that way in 1 Corinthians, or speaking about head coverings and, and the husband and everything. But really how I've understood this is the understanding that, that he's the head of, of making sure that his family is being taken care of. Clearly, there are many cases where we don't do that very well. Clearly, there are cases where husbands have just failed. Like they've either left their families or they just have no interest in the word of God. Um, it's showing us, first of all, when you look at these passages, wow, there's definitely going to be repentance needed for each of us as husbands to do. Um, but to understand that this headship is a it's a spiritual headship, but goes even beyond that, an understanding mm-hmm. of of us to take seriously what it means to be a husband as a father, if that's what God blesses you with, and to love as Christ first loved us. It's a high calling, um, but once again, it's about service. It's not about dictatorial dictor- dictatorship, a controlling dictatorship, but as a love and grace towards others. Exactly. Exactly. Very, yeah. very well said. Yeah. So I think right now, I think we'll take a break. I have a little more to say on this as we get to the next part. But I'm going to actually end on this. If you remember a uh, big fat Greek wedding, it says a husband might be the head, but the wife is the neck. That's kind of a fun statement. Anyways, <laughs> we'll be right back as we are studying Ephesians chapter five with Pastor Dieter Ding. We'll be right back. On this Thursday, March 4th, 2021, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Roy and Irene Mueller of Frona, Missouri. Roy and Irene made a gift to KFUO Radio, saying to the glory of God as they give thanks for Roy's 82nd birthday today. They are thankful for all of the Lord's blessings that they have received throughout the years. Thank you, Roy and Irene Mueller, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO Day Sponsors. In 2020, the world was blindsided. At the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, we quickly refocused on how to best serve the church. Our COVID-19 response team took action, reaching out and listening to our borrowers. In response, we offered a number of financial remedies that allowed our borrowers time to stabilize. We also provided online streaming kits for churches, gift cards for food pantries, financial support for LCMS church workers, and much more. Life's not yet back to normal, and that's why we're still here for you. Visit lcef.org to learn more. (laughs) 
And welcome back. We are studying Ephesians chapter 5 with Pastor Curtis Dieterding. And I ended with a movie quote that, I don't know, Pastor, have you seen uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes, I have. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It was a very good show, very, very funny. Very funny. And I thought that was a great way of speaking about it. You know, they're trying to convince the father to do something. And then, and they're like, well, dad's never going to go for this. And she goes, but the father, the husband might be the head, but the wife is the neck. And then they go through this whole thing where they, they convince him to do something. He thinks it's his idea. They celebrate that it's his idea. And the whole time it was their idea. So I thought that was a funny um, connection to everything. And I wanted to, I wanted to tell this story before we get to husband's. Uh, I used to serve near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And when I was there, I went to go visit the local food pantry. And the lady who had been leading this food pantry was there for um, for a number of years. And she was just telling me about how she operated. And she was a gal that was not Christian. She was one that had kind of unique theological understandings of things, but had a very compassionate heart, which is why we were able to work with them on a few things. And one thing she told me was that when she would have a, a, a man and a woman come in, either they're married or they're dating or whatever it might be, is that she would go up to that man and she would ask that man to help around the food pantry. You know, there's mainly women that work there. So to move stuff, to do things and and um, uh, just to help and things that they're not able normally to do. And one of the things she, I said, well, why do you do that? And she said, well, typical men, when they come in, they want to be respected, she said. They're respected in a way that shows they're not just getting a handout, that they don't want to be embarrassed with their wife or girlfriend or whatever it might be, that when they actually are there and they're helping and they're serving and they're showing their, I guess they're say their, their, um, their, their not masculinity, but just who they are as, as a man trying to support his family, that to him to help out shows that he's not just getting a handout, that he is serving, um, that he is earning this, that he is doing that. And I, I always thought that was interesting because she was one who understood that she wanted to, quote, I guess you say even submit and respect these men and to give them dignity in the process. And that's my encouragement to wives out there that how can you give um, your husband respect and dignity? And I guess you would say it's the word submit. And that's a simple way to show how I think this plays out in our everyday lives. Any thoughts on that, Pastor? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting illustration. I, I know that, um, you know, up to this point, we've been talking about really uh, the woman uh, and her submissiveness, and now we're going to move into the husbands and at this point as well. So, um, yeah, just, you know, like I like I was saying earlier, you know, we, we all have been uh, given a role in what's important uh, for us as far as what we do within the family unit and how we uh, actually are in relationship to one another within that unit. I mean, there's even there's even passages, uh, you know, in fact, it's coming up here in, in Chapter 6 about how parents need to be treating their children, you know. Right. So, I mean, uh, so, I mean there's, there's, a lo- there's a lot that's being talked about here and even throughout the Scripture uh, about relationships between uh, family members, and it's understood that there is an order you know, that God has given as far as an order of responsibility, not so much that, well, he's going to award it over you and, and, and you're going to be like a slave. And, you know, that, that that is not the kind of order that God has laid out in the family. He's laid out the fact that there needs to be uh, specific responsibilities within that within that order 
And uh, he lays out what those are within the scripture, and here's here he's doing it again, you know, as far as um, just an order of the way things uh, uh, are laid out according to the family unit anyway. And this is where I was reading this about how verse verses 21 of, of chapter 5 through 6 verse 9 is what Martin Luther called uh, the hostafel, which is a domestic order. Uh, he speaks extensively mm-hmm. about this as an order that looks like for the home, what this looks like as parents, and also, I guess you say, in the world of work. They talk about bond servants and masters and so forth. And this is obviously an order that when we follow this order, we are blessed. Um, and we're going to not always have the great order in this. So this leads us once again to repentance and forgiveness and the order that we all need in our lives. So th- the scriptures are very orderly, understanding that we are dealing with reality at the same time. So let's move on to husbands. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to husbands. Uh, 25 through 20, see here, verse 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, for he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. So what's the calling of the husband here? To actually imitate you know what what Christ has done and again again we're we're connecting back to that relationship we have with Christ and it's being you know it's being brought in again here just as it was for the woman it is here um so it makes us really look at how did Christ how does Christ love the church how does it how does it what does that look like and of course the church being talked about in a feminine uh way that you know he as the groom we as the bride we as a church collectively you know how did he how did he give himself up to the church? What is it that Christ did? What what is it that he's done in his life to show love to each and every one of us? And that's the kind of love that it's saying to love your wives with. That kind of love that gives up everything, everything that would would make her look absolutely gorgeous and beautiful in. In the eyes of others, and we're not just talking about an outward appearance here. We're talking about the person, you know, the person that they are uh, completely in a relationship where um, we are practicing all of what Christ has given to us by cleansing us. The washing of the water with the word, we, we can see that uh, plainly and clearly that that's speaking of, of uh, our baptism, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we could be presented to one another uh, as holy and pure so it's constantly working toward what is it that um, would make uh, make the relationship as pure and as holy as possible, and and not, a lot of times it's going to be that forgiveness of sins. It's going to be that yeah. that uh, looking at being cleansed in this relationship when it goes south. You know, so so I see that it's the same relationship we have with Christ. We should have with one another. That that is really helpful. Once again, as you've said many times, is that he doesn't let us get away without seeing Jesus in the midst of this. So husbands, love your wives. Like, okay, that's easy, you know. And, and and I haven't had this before, but you could almost see that moment where the where the 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 fiance, the wife, the future wife is like, "What? That's it? You just have to love me? That's easy. Come on, what's going on?" Until you actually understand, as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her that part of the calling of the husband is to love his wife so dearly that he'd be willing to die for her. Um, 
and, and that's a high calling. And as Dr. Bryden says so well to you, what a jewel she is to you. Um, and that's a reminder for us. And this is how Christ sees us. I mean, he sees us as a jewel worth dying for. It goes to the, the parable of the uh, jewel in the, in the field. Um, that understanding that, that he is willing to do anything for them and for us as husbands. And my encouragement for you as husbands out there um, is to love your wife even to the point of death. And, and this, this leads us to how we speak. Uh, when we went through this, my pastor emphasized that, you know what, when you speak about your bride or speak about your husband, you, your job is to make them look, um, look good um, to, with splendor, without spot or wrinkle and any such thing, that they might be holy to others. Not only do we understand our understanding of who we are in Christ, but also how do you present each other to other people? Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I, I was thinking of, a, of, a, of an illustration um, of a story that I have, too, of my, my wife and I one night. Uh, it was about probably 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we're in bed, and all of a sudden we hear this, this strange knock at the door. It's just going, you know, just... Like, I look over at my wife. I said, hey, you want to go check that out? <laughs> she goes, I thought you're supposed to be laying down your wife for me. <laughs> so, That's too good. We're sitting there kind of arguing about who's going to go check that weird knock at the door at 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we kind of sat there and kind of argued about it a little bit. And, of course, you know, I got up. I just didn't want to get up. <laughs> like, it's right. Now I am curious because I'm going down the hallway, and, and we had a what they call a split level. And so at the top of the steps, here I am. I'm looking down the staircase. You know, it's in the dark, and I'm, I'm looking out the little side window by the door, and I don't see anybody, and I don't hear the knock anymore. And so I make my way down the steps, and uh, – I get up to that little window and I, I, I lean into that window to see if anybody's even there. And sure enough, there's a body laying up against our door. And I'm like, oh my, gosh. Oh my who is this? And so I finally recognize, I think that's the blanket off one of my daughter's beds. And I, th- I think she's standing there wrapped in this blanket. So I open the door and I go, I go, Catherine, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm going to bed. And she walks past me. She goes up the steps into her bedroom like nothing happened. And I finally made my way back up to the bedroom. I said, what in the world just went on? <laughs> and she told, she told me that she had walked out of the house, pulled the door shut. She had her blanket on. She pulled the door shut. The door locked behind her. She, you know, she had no clue oh, what she was doing. She okay, walked all okay. the way to the driveway. And she says, that's when I first woke up i first i she said that's when i was first conscious and realized i'm not over at my friend's house next door <laughs> i was actually at my house she goes i was wanting to go home <laughs> she goes, oh my goodness and I, and I realized i was at home and so she came back and was wow. laying on but anyway, that, that was a long story just to say that you know, that wasn't a very good example of me uh, being able to lay down my life for my wife and being all Absolutely. excited about it. You know, <laughs> you're you're it risking worked. your life to let your daughter back in the house. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, man, he wow. is right. Yeah, that's right. So going back, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a lot of fun. Is uh, so it talks about the husbands are the love of their wives and how we present each other, specifically we as husbands. And I think this is important because in culture, 
if you watch a lot of especially movies from the 90s into the 2000s where it kind of was like oh you know the wife is doing this and she's doing that and you just didn't have a lot of good examples of a husband who speaks well of his wife um and and well opposite is true as well like my husband is a bum or he doesn't do anything and those kind of things and we as a church need to always be better at how can we uplift each other as couples how can we uplift marriages and part of that is how we speak um any thoughts on that before we move on yeah i I think i think it's just asking yourself from day to day how am i treating uh, the one that uh, that I love more than anyone else in the world. You know, this is the person that I committed my life to. And uh, where am I in that relationship? Am I surely showing her that I love her as Jesus loves her? Am I mm. treating her as Jesus would treat her? You know, again, connecting always back to Christ's love and how that's shown and exhibited in our lives uh, by his word and by the fact that uh, he takes care of us from day to day through his power. Let's move on, 28 through 30, as he expands it, he pulls back even more to show us the emphasis of how husbands are to love their wives. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Now, one of the unique things we have in our hymnal when we are doing uh, the rite of holy matrimony is that it says, will you have, um, excuse me, uh, for the for the husband, for the bridegroom, it says, will you nourish and cherish her as Christ loved his body, the church, giving himself up for her? Will you love, honor, and keep her in sickness and in health? Da, 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 da. And so this is strong language that we use in our wedding rite. And it's wonderful because he brings it back to our own bodies and how we would love our own body, that then therefore you should love your wife. Thoughts on those words? Yeah, you know, this is this is really an interesting passage here because um, we're talking about people that are sane, <laughs> People that <laughs> uh, truly have a relationship with God—that's that's who uh, Paul is writing to here. So, so uh, we, you know, because it's like for no one ever hated his own body. Well, we could probably p- point to some people that have actually shown us that they've done some strange things to their body. Uh, right. But but one who is truly in Christ would not would not hate his his own flesh, uh, but would nourish and cherish it, and and. Just as, as it says in Jesus Christ as the church, well, that part of the nourishing and cherishing, we have to look and say, how does Christ nourish me? Where am I getting my nourishment from? And, of course, you can't help but understand that that nourishment comes from being in a relationship with him and his word and in enjoying the, the sacraments where we are just literally spiritually nourished through uh, his very body and blood. I mean, that's how intimate Christ is with us, the church. Um, we should be willing to um, be uh, nourished and cherished in this relationship uh, in the church so that it actually translates over to our relationship with our wife. Even spiritually speaking, uh, we should be t- treating her uh, in a very spiritual way um, with uh, with honor and dignity as well. 
and, and that's a great connection with the church because verse 30 because we are members of his body that part of the 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 church is it's a reflection of how we treat each other in the church as well i mean mm-hmm. this is a yeah. the church uplifts each other in our marriages uplifts what christ has given to us and i think about this in in my particular congregation i mean we have like Oh, I don't, I can't, I guess I got to count this because I think we have at least six couples that have been married over 55 years. Um, um, and one couple, one couple, I think they celebrated their 60th and they got married after two weeks of dating, two weeks. Wow. 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 <laughs> and so you look at it this and you're like, white. wow. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. It's an incredible story of God's grace. Um, and so there is that reality, too, for you, our listeners, that it's part of the church. How can you uplift marriages so that husbands will love their wives, um, even to the point of death, that wives will submit and respect their husbands? How can you do that? Obviously in prayer, but also to uplift them when you do see them in worship and, and in other ways. Uh, so w- once again, husbands are to love their wives, even as their own bodies. Last thoughts. Yeah, so you you know you make a very good point. There, we've got these folks in our congregation that've been ma- married for many years. What better place to look for how we are living out our lives as Christians, as a husband and wife, especially those that you know are faithful to the church, faithful to the service of the church, faithful to one another, and faithful to worship. You can see the strength in that love, and and I've had the opportunity as a pastor to see. Um, people that have, have spent that many years, I've seen others that have spent many years together too, not quite as, as, as loving, but um, you'll find that, that the ones that are really strengthened and nourished through, through the church have done nothing but grow stronger even in their love for one another, no matter mm. how old they get, no matter how much the body starts to deteriorate, it seems like their love for one another grew and grew and grew and is just just absolutely beautiful to watch. I had a couple um, in, in my very first parish that had their 79th wedding anniversary, wow. and I, they, we sent that out in a newsletter, and my dad, he would always get my, my, my newsletter, you know, wherever he lived in the, in the United States, and he called me, and he goes, I think you got a, I think you got a typo in your in your uh, wedding lists there, your marriages and the anniversaries. I said, no, I said, Ed and Susan, they've been married for 79 years and we hope they make it to their 80th. Unfortunately they didn't, but uh, that was probably, and I, those two, I've not seen people that in love. I mean, in that as, as old as they were, you could see it every day in their life. It's just beautiful. Mm. Wow. So it, it, living it, out when you when we actually live this when I, when we actually live this relationship when we actually depend on Christ and, and Him to nourish us and just not only in ourselves but in in our relationship especially with our spouse uh, it's a glorious thing it's glorious. Reminder to all of us that, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, you were bought with a price. So your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So glorify God with your body. And that goes, the connection here is, you know, he says, love your wives as your own bodies, is that how can we glorify God in our marriages? Not only ours, but those who surround us. And what a witness these wonderful folks are for us as we continue to serve and to love our Lord. Well, let's finish it out here. We have about a little bit less than 10 minutes, and I want to, uh, Pastor Dieterding, to have you kind of flesh this out a little bit when we get to the end about how this looks in the church today. Verses 31 through 33. 
Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So he goes back always to the word of God. And he doesn't just go back to the word of God. He goes back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Why is that so important here? Well, he goes back all the way to the, to, um, the very first marriage, really, which was there in the Garden of Eden. And um, just to give us an example of um, the fact that he is the one who uh, created woman for man, and that he's the one who established and instituted this wedding, this this marriage, I should say, was marriage from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Make no doubt about it that God, this was the primary uh, core of a family to uh, to have children. And, of course, we, we hear all the promises that are attached to that, right, to have children, to be able to subdue the earth and, and to multiply, you know, and, and all of those things. It's to show that it's been uh, it's been in God's work and His plan since the very beginning of time. So uh, that is the that is the uh, and that and that it's one man and one woman. The two mm-hmm. shall become one flesh. And so I li- like this uh, this this uh, fact that the mystery is profound uh, right. because He is actually. Uh, using that as an example to show us that that's the kind of relationship we have with Christ as a church. And so it's uh, it, it's really beautiful when you start to really dig in and see, um, you know, what what's being spoken of here. And, and I love the, the Lord here at the very end, you know, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Right. So the whole, and you said it earlier too, um, I, when when Pastor Parviz was talking to you that you know it's a matter of trust, and you start to break mm-hmm. that trust, it breaks down the relationship. If you if you increase in that trust and you continue to show each other the kind of care and love that Christ shows us, and what He wants us to have in that relationship with Him as a church, um, then we start to understand something more of our relationship with one another as well. And like you said, the mystery is profound. Not a mystery in the sense of it, it doesn't make any sense. It, it's a mystery that's like, wow, how deep the love, first of all, of God to us. First of all, it becomes more deep the longer we are in the relationship with Christ and the more we realize we don't deserve it. And I think that relates back to our relationship with our spouse, is that you realize how it becomes deeper as longer you're married. And also you realize that I probably don't deserve the one of which I am married to, um, and and that and, and that only flows from the love of Christ that comes as well, and the, the 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 this understanding of respecting and loving is something that we're going to continue to work on. I mean, you talk to that couple when they were 79, 79 years of marriage, they probably would even admit, yeah, we still have work to do. <laughs> I need to respect him more, and, I, and, she, and, and he needs to love me better. I mean, it, it, this is a lifelong process of repentance and forgiveness, which, once again, points us to our relationship with Christ. Thoughts on that? Yeah. 
like you're right. They they definitely needed to, to to love each other even more because they had a lot more responsibility to try to take care of each other. They actually still lived in their own home, and wow. uh, you know, it, it yeah, it it just came down to really of the last of, of the uh, of that last year that they were together that he finally he got ill enough to where um, you know he finally. He finally was uh, called home to his Lord, but a beautiful couple, um, and she lived a number of years later as well. So they were they were one of these couples mm-hmm. that got married, you know, like 15 and 19, whenever they uh, were brought together in love. So um, yeah, so I mean, we do we do, and I would hope that you know, as we continue to grow in that love, um, you know, over the years, that it would only grow greater, and and and. and you know, hallelujah to those couples that get to experience that, that as as you get older, it actually your love for one another even grows even deeper and stronger. And, and, and hopefully, uh, if the couple is, is uh, staying with the Lord and the church, they get to experience even that whole relationship with their, their Lord together with the church. And, and that is uh, that is something that can, can really lift uh, your spirit, that's for sure. So as we look at these words, we have about three minutes left here. What are some ways that you've seen this play out in your congregations? We've talked about this lovely couple of 79 years. Uh, mm-hmm. What are ways that the church can support and to care for our couples of husband and wife to to live according to what God's Word has to say today? I think making, making sure that uh, it's, it's kept in the preaching and the teaching of the church uh, to uh, provide opportunities for families to to grow together, to enjoy um, all of what God has given to us, to make sure that um, there's a constant em- emphasis on the need to be able to grow together in that love, to be nourished, you know, in that love, uh, encouraging that you bring your children not only to baptism, but to grow together with you in being nourished in our relationship with Christ, because as we are nourished in our relationship with Christ, we are nourished in our relationship with each other too, and especially with uh, with our spouses as well. And as we as we look at this too, I want to just focus on this for a moment. We have about two minutes left. Is that clear that there's some marriages that just don't make it? That you have a divorce that happens. We look at these passages and we say, okay, how can I get better? Well, there's some who it didn't work. There was a divorce for some reason, um, and the church, I would say, has not always done well. We could have a whole session on this, but can you speak to a little bit about what would the words be that you would say as we look at these verses and the divorced person? You know, there's a, there's a broken it's a broken relationship. We can see that it's a broken it's a broken uh, uh, brokenness that happens, and and it's talked about here. You know, we we hear that um, that. If we're going to treat each other as Christ has treated the church, uh, we want to uh, still lift up the other person in uh, uh, in God's in God's eyes anyway, um, for forgiveness, uh, for hope that uh, you know there can be restoration, um, and maybe maybe not with that spouse, but uh, hopefully within the relationship of family of the church to really be able to see that picture that when we're really broken in our world. Uh, as we all are, it's not just divorce; it's uh, any sin that, that's against each other and against our Lord. Uh, can find restoration, still be made holy uh, through the work of Christ and through His love, 
and hopefully being able to connect to that kind of love that we can understand, which, you know, it's the whole, I, I ask couples a lot, you know, so when you are with each other, do you ever use words like forgive, you know, do you, mm-hmm. how often do you, and, and, and uh, yeah, or that you're forgiven, you know, and, and are there times whenever we say, how often have you really said that you're sincerely sorry and you ask for forgiveness? You know, and uh, you're really sharing in that, in that gift that God gives us, where that Christ gives us. You know, forgive one another as I have forgiven you. So, uh, this is a core part of of what we do in our relationship with each other, especially when things are broken and they go wrong. That He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the Word. Pastor Curtis Dieterding of Zion Lutheran Church in Fort Myers, Florida, helping us today with Ephesians chapter 5. Pastor Dieterding, thank you for being our guest. It's always a joy, and thank you. God bless you. Saints of our Lord, pray for our marriages of a husband and wife. The calling is high, love, respect, submission. But it's not just about marriage. It's about Jesus. Because there are marriages that don't last. And what do you need at that point? You need Jesus. For those who are single, what do they need? They need Jesus. For those who have lost a spouse, what do they need? They need Jesus. In the same way, Christ's love for the church, he has cleansed us by his blood that we might be presented in splendor, holiness, and blameless, all on account of him. I'm your host, Brady Finneran, pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands. Mm -hmm.